You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now here's Pastor Clay. But let us hear together the word of God this morning, first from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, verses 43 through 48, which is on page 7 of your pew Bibles if you'd like to follow along as I read this morning from the uh, Good News Translation. It is Jesus who said, you've heard it said, love your enemies, or love your friends and hate your enemies. But now I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may become the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun shine on the bad and the good alike, and gives rain to those who do good and those who do evil. Why should God reward you if you love only the people that love you? Even the tax collectors can do that. And if you speak only to your friends, have you done anything out of the ordinary? Even the pagans do that. But you must be perfect, just as your Father in heaven was perfect. And our second reading this morning is from the book of 1 John in chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. John writes to the church, There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out all fear. So then love has not been made perfect if anyone is afraid. Because fear has to do with punishment. We love because God first loved us. If someone says he loves God but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he cannot love God whom he has not seen if he does not love his brother whom he has seen. The command that Christ has given us is this, whoever loves God must love his brother also. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. In case you missed it last week, we established that I am afraid of snakes. And it's important for you to know that just because you... to. Be nice to me, please, but also because earlier this summer, the Canton Public Library brought the Great Plains Mobile Zoo to Jack Fox Park to kick off the summer reading program. It was awesome. My kids had a blast. Thank you, Tracy, for doing that. The story starts at the end of that, though, because at the end of that, the zookeeper invited anybody that wanted to come forward to pet a snake to come forward and pet a snake. And two of my three children said that they would like to pet the snake. And not wanting to send them out up there without an adult, I went just to watch my kids pet a snake. Here's what I will tell you. Three of us went up there. Two of us pet the snake. Auden and me. That's right. I know. Thank you, right? I faced my fear. Ah. Thank you. I was able to put my fear aside just enough to make my child smile. Sometimes the best way for us to face our fears, to address our fears, is to face them head on. 
And so this morning, as we continue our message series based on fear, we're going to dig into what it looks like to have a fear of the other. That sense of apprehension that we have, that we carry for those that do not think or act or dress or believe the same way that we do. I think that we can find those people anywhere. I think we can find people with whom we disagree, even among those we love the most. And so let's disagree this morning. I've brought a couple of examples for us um, to address our fears head on. And I'm not talking about snakes. I'm talking about our fear of those that think and believe and act differently than we do. And so let me ask you this by a show of hands. When it's time to change the toilet paper roll at home, are you an over or are you an under? Show, show, where are my overs? Where are my unders? I see some unders. All righty. In the game of professional basketball, there are two people that are considered to be the greatest of all time, LeBron James or Michael Jordan. I heard a groan. I'm with you. I have found my people. Where are my LeBron is the greatest of all time, people? Where are my Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, people? I found my people. Coke or Pepsi? Where are my Coke people? Where are my Pepsi people? Yeah. Yep, you exist. We disagree. Is that okay? When you have the option of going on a vacation, are you going to pick a beach or a mountain? Show me your beach. Where's my mountain people? All right. Are we all the same? Do we think and believe and, 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 and act exactly the same? Even here in this church. Can I make a confession to you this morning? My confession is this. I don't know how I feel about being in a church with LeBron, Pepsi, under people. Sorry. I love you in the name of Christ, but I don't know how I feel about being in a church with under LeBron, Pepsi people. And I'm kidding. Of course I'm kidding. But there are still real challenges and real divisions that we face. What would happen if these questions were more serious? What if these questions were about our attitudes and actions towards people that live in different towns around us? What if I asked us to raise our hand for who we voted for in the last election? I'm not going to do it. Don't do that. But what if I were to ask that question? What if I were to ask any number of different social, theological, or political questions? The sad truth that we must all face is that we are susceptible to the fear of the other. And not only are we susceptible to the fear of the other, we may even have the fear of the other. And I'm no different. There are groups and individuals that I am uncomfortable with and even fear because the way we view the world is just so different from one another. 
The technical word for the fear that we're talking about today is a Greek word, the Greek word being xenophobia. And the, and the word xenophobia is a literal translation of itself. It is the fear of the other. And xenophobia manifests itself when we allow our preconceived notions about an individual or a group or an organization to get in the way of actually getting to know something or somebody. When we don't like take the next step and just say, oh, we have it figured out without doing the hard work of getting to actually know what people and groups actually do or stand for and believe. Xenophobia creates a false dichotomy. It creates that false sense of us versus them, which can lead us to demonize other people and hold on to a fear that their views are a threat to us. And even worse than that, we can, when we hold on to our fear for so long, we can stop disassociating, or we can start disassociating the, with the humanity of that other person to the point that they only become the issue. And we stop seeing them as an individual. We stop seeing them as a person worthy of dignity. We stop seeing them as someone that reflects the image of God. We stop seeing them as someone with an inherent and sacred worth. And it can feel like this is a modern problem that has been intensified through the years. That this is a modern problem that's been intensified by that one president that ruined everything. Or that one news outlet that did that one report. Or that one celebrity that took that social stand. When the truth is, is that this is a problem as old as time itself. This is a problem that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. Cain was afraid of the way that Abel viewed the world and took care of him. It's even later in Israel's history when the people of God were coming close to the land that God had promised them. They were coming close to Canaan. And so Moses sent spies into the land and the spies were afraid of the other inhabitants. And so they allowed their fear to tell the people of God lies. They came back and reported that the land wasn't even that good. The land that God had promised them, a land that was called a land flowing with milk and honey, wasn't even good land. It wouldn't have enough to produce a harvest for all of us. Oh, and by the way, there were also giants in the land, so said the spies. <coughs> but spoiler alert, there were no giants. The spies were just afraid. There were no giants. The spies were just afraid. And because... Oh. And because this was a problem so woven into the fabric of our lives from the very start, Jesus knew how to address it. Jesus knew that he had to address it dramatically and definitively. And so it is Jesus who said, you've heard it said that you must love your friends and hate your enemies. And the people of God had indeed heard that said because the first half of that command is scriptural from the book of Leviticus in chapter 19. But the second half of it was not. 
The second half of it was Jesus being hyperbolic. Jesus being dramatic. Jesus intentionally misinterpreting the most extreme application of the law in order to get people's attention. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And then Jesus flips it on its head entirely and says, I say, you must love your neighbor and pray for those who persecute you. When we do that, when we act as the children of God, when we reflect God's identity into the world, we honor God because it's what Jesus goes on to say. For he says that God makes the sun shine on the bad and the good and all people alike and gives rain to those who are good and those who do evil. What Jesus is saying is that God loves our enemies. God loves our enemies. God loves those who make us feel uncomfortable. God loves those who vote differently than we do. God loves those who come from different places than we do. God loves those who watch a different news channel than we do. God even loves those who drink Pepsi. God even loves those that drink Pepsi. And Jesus commands us to do the same. So let me ask you a personal question this morning. In what ways has the fear of the other shaped your life? How has the fear of other people shaped your life? Who is it that you have deemed as other than you? And how can you show love to them today? Or this week? Or in your lifetime? And now, anytime that we're talking about reconciliation, I feel like a disclaimer needs to get made because sometimes there are situations where the fear that we hold of other people is not xenophobia. The fear that we have is real and valid. And the fear that we have is merited. Because there are certain situations in life where sometimes the hurt is too great and sometimes the threat is too real and sometimes the situation is too toxic. That's not xenophobia. Being afraid in those situations is just survival. But yet those other times remain where our fear is not merited and truthfully just needs to be laid aside. In those moments, we have to reflect the perfect love that Jesus talks about or that John talks about. The love that we learn from God, the perfect love that casts out fear. Because loving others as Jesus does, does indeed cast out our fear and breaks down our barriers. Loving others as Jesus commanded us to love allows our fear to disappear and our suspicions to fade. And what grows in their place is empathy and compassion. Friends, the reality is that hate cannot defeat hate. Fear cannot defeat hate. Hate cannot drive out our fear. Being right cannot drive out fear. Writing people off cannot drive out fear. Cancel culture cannot drive out fear. 
Only love can do that. And so in times when we find ourselves embroiled in conflict, when times when we find ourselves tempted to fear the other, our challenge is to love as Jesus loves, even if they put their toilet paper roll over, even if they think Michael Jordan is the goat, even if nothing beats a hot day better than a nice cold Diet Coke. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can. Only the love that we've experienced in Jesus Christ and only the love that we show inspired by Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Loving God, living Christ and reigning spirit, we give you thanks for who you are in our lives and we give you thanks for the ways that you show us how to live in a way that makes a difference. We look to you in the midst of the challenges of life, the struggles of life, and the hardships of life, and we just need the courage from you to love as you would have us to love, to reflect Christ as you would have us to reflect Christ, and to live as far as it's possible, live in peace with all people, inspired by your love. Give us the courage to love in this way and cast out all of our fears. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.